Welcome back to the Own Your Potential podcast, where you'll hear stories from leaders across the globe about how they've taken control of their career growth and lessons on how you can too. I'm Peter Scherba, and today I'm extremely excited to be sitting down with Sana Remicki, who's the CEO and co-founder of Concia. Sana, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to have you on. I've been looking forward to this. We've got a lot of shared background and past between PS, between the University of Waterloo. Very excited. Before we get into the really meaty stuff, why don't you just take us through your career journey leading up to today? Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to actually start right from the beginning because I think everything that happens in life actually eventually contributes to your career journey as well. So um, I will start from the time when I first came to Canada. Uh, And that was when I was 14. Um, And I um, came with my mom, my dad, my big sister, and two little brothers. Very cool. Um, A few years later, uh, my dad, when I I was only 19, um, and just about to uh, finish my first year of university, he actually passed away. I'm very sorry. So that actually shaped a lot of what I had to do early on and learn on my own without having my dad around. And my mom um, sort of acted as the role model uh, in my life. Uh, My dad had started a business with my mom, um, uh, you know, about two or three years after we arrived here. And to this day, she is still running that business. So he had that, you know, entrepreneur uh, spirit in him. He sort of gave my mom a little bit of that spirit as well. She was a lot more cautious <laughs> than my dad was, but he started off the business for her, and then to this day she's still running it and, and managing it um, you know, on her own. Um, so you know, my dad actually always wanted me to be uh, a doctor. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I didn't end up being a doctor, as you can tell. <laughs> I ended up being an engineer. Um, and I mean, from the beginning, that was kind of what I wanted to do, but I also wanted to make my parents happy. Right. So first year university, I went into medicine. Um, and, but at the end of the year, my dad got sick. Um, and, uh, you know, he had cancer. And, and uh, when he was, when it, it was his last few days left, I just asked him, I said, you know, I got to, uh, I, I don't want to be a doctor. Wow. You know, and which, I mean, kind of, I'm sure he was a little bit upset by it, but he just said, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is what makes you happy and, and go do what you want to do. Right. Um, and so I, I switched from science in University of Waterloo, like you said, um, to engineering, which was a pretty hard switch yeah. at the time. You had to prove yourself all over again, not just high school marks, but now first year uh, university averages as well. But I made it. Uh, into university. Um, and, you know, University of Waterloo, great university, taught, taught us a lot, I would say. But one thing that it didn't really teach was how to really uh, be in business. It was, it was very theoretical, right. I would say. So the very first real work experience that I had, I had some co-op experience at Waterloo as well, but the first real experience was actually Sapient. For me, right, and I came here as uh, associate technology one. I still remember <laughs> the Sapient Start or Super Saturday. That's right, something like that. 
um, where uh, I think it was Michael Tyag at the time who uh, who interviewed me for the first time and accepted me uh, into Sapien. I was very excited. You know, I remember not being very confident at all. I was not able to like sit like this and actually have a conversation yeah. with anybody. Um, but you know, Sapient. Uh, one thing about Sapient is that they know how to grow people, right? They they know w that you have the potential to get somewhere, and they pull it out of you. They right. recognize it, and then they throw you into situations. Trial by fire. Right, trial by fire. Like just throw you into the this deep sea, and you swim, you <laughs> sink or swim, but mostly swim. They, they're actually, I don't think they let you actually sink. They, they are not there. Not quite to the bottom. No, not quite to the bottom. <laughs> so, right. So, um, you know, I, th I think a lot of the early learnings from my career, um, I would say the foundation of my career was actually built at Sapient, right? Everything that I learned at Sapient, like the POAD, I think they used to call it, the purpose, objective, right. uh, agenda, and deliverables. I think that's what it was. And the SA3 and the fusion, I don't know if you guys still call it. That? I think it's evolved a little bit since what, then. What do you call it? That, that first discovery phase where... Now it's Ignite. Ignite. And shape. Okay. It used to be fusion yeah. at the time. I remember like doing this engagement with, uh, I think it was Oxford, Oxford University Press, and I was just you know, I was an associate tech and right. taking notes and doing the things that associate techs do and learning just so much from watching these amazing, like, leaders get on, you know, get in front of the customer and solve their problems. And I'm like, that's where I want to be yeah. one day, right? It was all about, like, solving the customer's problem. And they were, the passion that sapient folks had in solving real problems was what I think the, 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 one of the most important things that I got out of my experience there. Right. Um, I uh, stayed at Sapient for about three years. Um, I exited when I was senior technology one, I believe. Okay, yeah. Senior tech one, right? I think that's Yeah, I think C would have been senior so associate, associate tech technology one. level one. Level yeah. one, exactly. <laughs> I just remember all these We just got to make terms. it super difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so I got hired by Indeca as... Uh, a, I think it was a solution engineer at the time. Um, the reason why I was so interested in that job was because at Sapient, um, one of the very first projects that I had a real role in as a right. consultant was about bringing data from different sources and creating a search and discovery experience. And very I really cool. wanted to dive deep into that and learn more about that space. It just intrigued me so much. It was actually an Indeca project at, right. at Sapient that I had done. Um, and then I grew up at uh, Indeca for another, I think it was three more years, uh, exited there at the principal architect um, at Indeca. I think I was the only female principal architect cool. in all of Indeca at the time. Wow. Um, and then, you know, we got, uh, oh, I didn't tell you about the part where I actually got, I fell in love with the person that I'm now married to at <laughs> Sapient. Now we're talking. As okay. well. So this is very important. Right. And we're still married. You know, 15 years later. Congrats. Uh, he, thank you. Thank you. Um, he actually pretty much joined me at every company that I went to going forward oh, wow. from Sapient. <laughs> to this day, he's the CTO of our um, company as well. Um, Dwayne, you guys, some of you may know him. Um, 
so anyway, so uh, what we ended up doing together at Indeca is we, we said, you know, we need to solve a bigger problem here, which is the garbage in, garbage out problem when it comes to search right. and discovery. You know, it's not just about the search engine, it's about the data, right? Like the data that is thrown into the, the search index, we got to figure out how to clean that and shape it and optimize it to make it right and make it speak the right language for the customer. So we ended up um, starting up with a brand new startup as one of the first employees um, at Groupby. And uh, that was pretty exciting as well. Very Startups cool. are always fun. Yeah. Um, but w what the vision that Dwayne and I had in mind was actually not being realized right. at Groupby. Um, so now we had a choice. At this point, we had, um, I think I was pregnant with my first one. Um, and we had to, you know, we had to make a choice whether we stay right. at this company that I have a bunch of shares in and I have a big stake. Golden handcuffs. Golden hang handcuffs, or uh, do we go build something ourselves? It's a, it's a very scary thing yeah. to start something yourself when you have a decent salary and corporate job that's paying you a bunch of money. Um, so, uh, so I said, okay, Dwayne, you stay where you are. Um, you know, what, what, or do what you want to do, right? So you, you go build the thing, and I am going to stay at Groupi for a little bit longer until you're done building the first, you know, beta version right. of your product. Um, and so he went and did that, hired somebody in, like, overseas. We, we couldn't really afford right. to have a right. team at this point. We're just fully bootstrapping at this point. Um, and anyway, so he went off and started building something, um, and I stayed for another six months until we landed a customer. Ah, okay. And then I said, all right, I'm joining you. I'm done over here. So I left. Um, I, I left Groupi as the, and, and became the CEO um, of Concia. Um, so this is now sixth year into Concia. Congrats. At this point, we've pivoted about 100 times, <laughs> it feels like. Like, you know, always tweaking the message or changing yeah. the story a little bit to meet, you know, the times. Um, but where we are is very different from where we started, I would say. Um, but now become very relevant in the current state right. of technology um, and, and technological landscape. So what we've positioned ourselves uh, as at this point is a an orchestration layer, so data right and API orchestration layer for the composable tech stack. So if your data and content sitting in a whole bunch of different best of breed, you know, um, technologies, the kind of the ability to build an experience on top of all of these different Very systems cool. in a cohesive and connected and unified way. So that's, um, that's, that's how I got here. That's my journey. I mean, so there's an enormous amount that I want to jump into immediately, but maybe we start back at the beginning a little bit, because I've had some overlapping experiences with you. We start our careers off at Sapien. We went to Waterloo. We have immigrant families or upbringings. My dad actually also got really sick in my final oh, year really? of university. Uh, I was never put in a position like, like you were, where you had to you know, let him know on his deathbed that you yeah. weren't going to follow the path maybe they had right. laid out for you. Uh, I had done that earlier. So my dad had gotten over it at that point. Yeah. But that is, I mean, his response is what you hope a parent gives in that yes. moment. 
that's enormously shaping, I have to imagine. And so have you kind of carried that through now and forget work for a second, but like as a parent now of yes. two yourself, that has to be super formative as is the direction you take with your own children. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 both my parents were very different human beings. Right. Right. My dad was a lot more open minded. He, he had a very close relationship with all of his children. Like he lived to just see his kids happy. Right. That's just who he was um, from the start. And we were very, very close. So I, I carry that forward with my children. I never want them to feel that they're burdened by, you know, something that I want them right. to do. You know, uh, my mom was, I would say, amazing, but more on the strong side. Like she had, and she had to be. Right. Right. Especially after leaving, uh, after losing my dad, um, she had to raise four children right. on her own. And, you know, she started, or, or my dad started a business for her, and she had to carry that through on her own and right. pay for everybody's education. And, I mean, all four of us are now graduates of universities and doing really well in our own career. So that's thanks to my mom. Right. But she was also not the person who you could have a, an emotional discussion with. Right, you couldn't tell her how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's not who she was. Fair it was, enough. It was all about like, like task orientation. Right. <laughs> you know. So there's a little bit of that in me. Sometimes that pops up, but I have to like. I feel like I always have to balance that between what I learned from my dad and what I what I continuously see. Right. You know, because yeah, the way your mind works is it's it's a habit. Yeah, right? absolutely. Whatever you see, you end up doing. Right. Well, but then you have to catch yourself when you feel like you're doing something that you shouldn't exactly. be doing. Right. So, um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for my mom. And as I mean, as a female entrepreneur and CEO, I think I can I have to attribute a lot of that to her as well. But my personal side, uh, I would say, is more like my dad. I think that's really powerful, though, because I think in the same way, you know, now pulling it back to work, yeah. uh, you know, in the, the least spectacular way possible. But <laughs> if you have a senior leader or people manager or mentor, you both learn from the things you don't like about how they operate, as yes. well as the things that they do that inspire you and that you want to follow. And that Absolutely. I, is reflected in what you just described in your parents. But, you know, having that entrepreneurial gene sounds like it yeah. came from both parents. You had oh, no yeah. choice. You were always going to end up here. I was going to be an entrepreneur. I've, I've always had this nagging feeling that I can't just do something ordinary. Right. It just has to be something speci special because my parents did something special. They have a story to tell. And I always wanted to have that as well. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I mean, if you really go like philosophical on all of this, <laughs> That's not necessarily always a good thing because that doesn't always make you happy either. You, okay. You can get to a point where you expect too much right. of yourself because you're always running towards this unachievable goal that I have to be the best that I can be. Well, I mean, what is best? Right. Right. What is success at right. the end of the day? Is it personal happiness? Is it health? Is it, you know, there are so many things that attribute to it, but sometimes I, I feel like because I have this expectation yeah. that is set, and even to this day, from my mom, like yeah. if I tell her, hey, today I just uh, you know, met with the minister of 
um, Ontario, yeah, which, which you I mentioned just, just before did. we, yeah, exactly. So please, you know, let's skip ahead. Let's yeah. talk about that for a second. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was amazing. That, that, like, I didn't think that I was there yet. Right. You know, like, am I actually ready to do this? I've never, never met a minister of anything, <laughs> you know, I'm meeting like minister of Ontario digital, like this is, this is crazy. Uh, but if I tell her that, you know, um, she'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, at your age, I was the government analyst in Pakistan who approved all the drugs and right. stuff that you know went through, and yeah. and like she'll one up me every single time, <laughs> every single time, you know. So there, there's nothing that I would say any of us can do yeah. that is actually good enough for well, her. So, so, I mean, you've yeah. got this burning fire that you've got to keep yeah. kind of uh, uh, progressing against. But I'm, I mean, pulling it back, though, I'm curious. You know, there's lots of people who have a vision of building something, maybe yeah. starting something eventually, right? But I'm curious, you particularly, I love this type of story, where you found success in traditional ways at organizations. You were progressing in your career. But I guess at what point, how early on did you know that eventually you were going to start something yourself? And then... You know, how were you balancing deciding when and what it was that you were going to start while still progressing aggressively through your career in a more traditional kind of climbing the ladder capacity? Right. I, I think Dwayne and I actually, both of us knew from the day we left Sapient that we wanted really? to start something eventually Very cool. ourselves. But we, we always saw every career move as maybe a chance to really realize the full dream, and, and we thought, okay, we're, whatever we did, both right. of us, we did it as if it was our own. Very cool. You know, so, like, we, we felt that we're doing it for the customer. We want to solve a problem, and it was always this belief that, you know, we're going to do the very best we can for the customer, and then, and, and we, at various times in our career, were aligned with the company's yeah. vision, and, and then we did feel the passion that, okay, we're doing all the right things. But every time there was something where we disagreed with the way things were done, and that happened throughout right. the, the career, right? There, there's never perfection in any career or any job. There's always somebody that either you report to or that, you know, some, something that you want to do that you just can't do. And right. that's where we felt like, okay, we got to now we got to do our yeah. own thing. But then what ended up happening is, you know, we got married, I got pregnant, I had my first kid. Then the opportunity from Group I came, like, this is pretty much starting your own right. business. I was the first of seven employees. Both of us were first of, uh, you know, s seven employees who started the company, essentially. Right. right? So it, f it was like we are doing our own thing. We felt that we were until we didn't. Right. You know, and until we said, okay, this is, this is our vision. You said you're going to, you know, realize this vision. We're going to do this, these things this way. But it didn't happen again. And then we finally just said, okay, yes, we have a one-year-old <laughs> at home, and I'm still breastfeeding, but we're going to go. Let, let's just do this. Yeah, all in. Let's, I guess, I guess that's the sapient way. You just dove in from just, there. Just dove in and just Carrying did it. And through. it was crazy. It, it was crazy because uh, one of the ex-companies, um, came after us, sued us oh, in the no. very first year and said that you're in the space that we are supposed to be in and there's a non-compete with you guys and you can't do it. And uh, so that derailed us 
in a massive imagine, way. Yeah. All of our savings were gone in a heartbeat. Oh my goodness. Like in the very first year of running the business. <laughs> while having a one-year-old. While having a one-year-old. And trying to still progress And I business. remember the tears. Oh my gosh. I'm like, why did I do this? Why, yeah. like, we, should, we should just get another job. <laughs> like we could get another job. Why don't we just go back? And you know, every time something tough like that would happen, you feel like, should I just stop? Should I go back? Maybe I'm making a bad choice. But then something in us just, like we just loved what we were doing so yeah. much and it actually defined who we are together as well. It became That's part really of powerful, yeah. our identity. So we just had to keep going. Well, and I think you mentioned before we were chatting a little bit before we got on to record, you're a bit of a rebel by nature yes. also across a lot of different dimensions. And it, yeah. to me, it just sounds like out of spite, you almost said, no, we're not going to stop yes. because we're not going to go down this way. Actually, yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about that. that. That's probably, you've, you've actually analyzed this whole thing. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. because So yes, I'm a rebel. I, I married the guy who was not the right religion, the right culture, the right race, had two kids previously, and my mom didn't come to the wedding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, and uh, today she loves my kids and she makes Dwayne salmon all the time. <laughs> Every time he comes, she's like, okay, he likes salmon, I'm gonna make salmon. <laughs> so she's okay now, yeah. right? So we, uh, it, it took a lot though to yeah. get her there and he, was, he had to be a certain way, like respectful and loving and all of those things and he proved it. Was he not time. that way before? No, he was, he was, <laughs> he was always that way. He, he, no, as in for her, for right, my mom. Right, right, right. For my mom, he had to be that way in order yeah. for him to prove to her that he's the right guy. Yeah. Right? So, but, you know, again, I believed in what I believed in, and I did. I, my parents taught me to do what, right. you know, what, what I should do. In fact, my mom told me before we were about to get married, and she was really mad that we were going to do this, but she said, you know what? If you think you're so sure of what you're about to do, then why don't you just, you know, go and do it yeah. with pride, without any tears, without any kind of grief or, or, you know, regret. Just go do it. Show me that you can. I'm like, okay, I'll go and do it. And I did it. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, so. overcoming so something good. like that in your personal life, I think yeah. with, with the stakes being far greater, right, yeah. than anything to do with work, must make doing that in a work uh, context that much easier. It does. It, it's practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's reps. <laughs> it's, it's reps. Yeah. I've done it before in various other ways. So this is just a different way. It just yeah. takes a little, you know, a certain level of commitment and passion of and course. fire to to do that. And that and and I think like I like what you said earlier, where you said maybe it was out of spite. Right. And, and I, I think that part of it is true. We yeah. couldn't because of the fact that we had gotten sued before. Right. We couldn't let this business fail. We had to show to the previous <laughs> yeah. company that we're going to make this work. Right. And we're going to be successful and you're going to watch us be successful. And also from my mom's standpoint, I had to make sure that whatever we're doing, Right. You know, from a business standpoint and career standpoint, I don't want her looking at us and saying, you know, um, see, I told you, you yeah. guys aren't doing so well now, are you? Right. So there was there was definitely external factors, if I were to be completely honest. But a lot of things that happen 
externally in your life shape who you become. Right. Sometimes for the, you know, for the better. Yeah. And sometimes for the worse. And I think there is a combination of both in me as well. I don't. I don't think I'm like a perfect human being. Sure. At this point, but I. And and that's the thing with in a startup journey, you know, a lot of uh, founders will tell you this that it's a crazy thing. Yeah. To go into a start to be a startup CEO or founder. Because especially when you're bootstrapping it, that's what we're of doing course, yeah. right now. And and the reason is that there's just so many ups and downs in the startup life that you have to be crazy to keep going. But I you mean, know. <laughs> of course, but I mean, you guys have had resounding success, right? You're coming off of <clears throat> speaking at Shop Talk, you're yeah. an ambassador and part of Mock Alliance, right? And so the, the successes keep rolling and you're occupying a really unique space in the marketplace doing something that, you know, a lot of vendors and platforms claim they can do, but they don't, right? right. And we won't name any of those no. here today, <laughs> uh, you know, so, so you don't get sued a second time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it'd be, before we dive fully into yeah, that. I'm going to make sure this we use. <laughs> yeah, I'll send this over to you so you could uh, vet it before it goes live. But uh, before we go fully into kind of Concia and the place it occupies, you know, for me personally, uh, my wife is an incredible partner of mine. She's absolutely superhuman. And I say it over, over and over on this podcast, but you know, it's probably for the best that right now we don't work together. I think we're still <laughs> forming as humans and we've been together since we were children, like 18, right? So we've formed as humans for a long time. Yes. Yeah. But you know, you've been working first across multiple companies with your husband. You still chose to get married and then <laughs> after the fact <laughs> chose to start a business. Now are running it together. How, that there has to be some interesting dynamics at play. How have you managed that? How have you successfully maintained, you know, your relationship professionally That's, and personally yeah. amidst all of this? I I think the way I explain this is I don't think that I could have done this any other way. Oh, like it, the 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 passion that we have for work yeah. or for this for this company and starting our own thing is like having our third child together. So it, it's, it's actually that joint passion that That's makes cool. it work. And also from a logistical standpoint, I mean, it's hard for anyone, especially a, a mom, yeah. to run something like this without having any kind of support. Yeah. Right. So when I have to go you know, to conferences or, you know, away from meetings and whatever, I depend on Dwayne to take yeah, care of, of the kids, right? And he's yeah. there. He's all, he doesn't travel at all. Like, we made that decision oh, that very cool. it would always be me traveling. He doesn't even want to travel. He doesn't care about traveling yeah. at all. He wants to, he wants to build yeah. software. That's his passion. And my passion's always been proving my point. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's fantastic. So, I love that. So th this actually just gives me exactly what yeah. I want. I get to prove that we have the best technology in the Assuming world. Assuming he's building it right. And he, he, well, he gets <laughs> shit from me if he does. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I mean he is. I love kid. it. Um, but I mean, th there is that dynamic. Uh, there are times when, you know. Um, I, this is mostly from me to him rather than I would say from him to me. He's, he's very careful yeah. <laughs> with what he says to me. I'm not so careful <laughs> about what, that's I think a female thing. I it, have the same it, dynamic in my relationship. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know yeah. how it is. Like I'm the boss. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? So, uh, I'm just joking. I mean, 
I'm not. Maybe my not. wife is <laughs> Maybe not. CEO. I said it before the recording. My wife is CEO, CFO, CSO, yeah, exactly. COO. You know, and, and I'm happy the, wife, yeah. happy life. That's right. right? That you guys have learned that. That's why it's successful. That's right. That's, that's right. Um, but there are times where I would be like, uh, you know, he'll say, okay, maybe you should have had this conversation this way instead of that way. And I would be like, stay in your lane. <laughs> this is my thing. Yeah. But I, and, and I, I'm not, I wouldn't take it all the way, but, you know, I realize at the end, okay, maybe it's okay. I think he has some experience doing this as well. Because before, before we started this company, the roles were actually reversed. Yeah. I was the engineer or the architect. Right. And he was the engagement lead at Sapient, at Indeca, at Groupby. Oh, he was more on the business side and yeah. I was on the tech side every single time. Right? So he can play both roles. He just chooses to play the technical right. role. And I can play, I, I don't think I could play that, the development role, because I've never been a pure developer. Right. Right. So I never wanted to do that. I get frustrated. <laughs> and, and I have like ADHD, so I don't, I, I can't focus on, you know, just sitting there right. and solving a bug. Like I could, I would just throw away my computer if I had yeah, to. Yeah, but you complement each other perfectly. We do, sense. exactly. So from a personality standpoint, I think it's a perfect fit for, for him. But going back to the dynamic, I think there are times when, um, you know, when I have, I know from a business standpoint what needs to be built yeah. and what the customers want and what is going to sell. And Dwayne is more of a purist. Oh, he wants to do things the perfect way. He wants to build something thinking about future use cases. And like he wants to build like something that can, will not break no matter what. Right. Whereas I am saying, we need to sell something. <laughs> right. So if it's going to take 30 days to build it the perfect way, right? Um, I don't care if we don't need it to be perfect. Just build it in 10 days right. so I can show it to the customer. Right. So that balance, we always have to keep. So every time he'll talk to me, he'll say, I have an idea. I want to do this, but wait, I am not going to go build it right now. Yeah. I am not going to get the team on it right now. This is just future planning. Yeah. I'm just letting you know so you don't get upset about this thing <laughs> that I'm just about to do. But like he, he's just a forward, you know, he's a future thinker. And I think the reason, one of the biggest reasons why we've made it this far mm -hmm. is that this vision w uh, of building it, not just doing the right thing, but actually building it the right way, right has allowed us to pivot in so many different ways. Because he had thought about we could change the software slightly or like reconfigure it in like a hundred different ways to solve for a hundred different use cases. Right. And so now I, it's at a point where we could literally repackage and reconfigure this thing to become a CRM if we want to. Oh, very One day, a CMS if we want to. Yeah. You know, so it was actually the right thing all along for him to be thinking that way. I was just impatient and right. wanted to make some money so <laughs> we can pay the bills and, you know, like get our mortgage done and yeah. all, all those types of things, right? So yeah. I think what's really interesting about kind of the dynamic that you've articulated in direct contrast with some things I've heard about trust from people <coughs> who've started companies or are in executive leadership positions, you know, there's kind of two schools of thought. There's that trust needs to be earned mm -hmm. or the idea of giving trust explicitly from the outset, right. skipping straight through the trust and then 
waiting for, not waiting for it to be broken, but, you know, essentially starting from a position of trust, mm -hmm. even without a relationship, right? Once right. somebody's been vetted. Now, the two of you, you know, based on the context of the fact that, you know, your partners both at work and outside of work, that trust is already there. Right. But as you scaled the organization and brought people on, I guess I'm curious, does that make it easier or harder to bring other people into the team that you trust, knowing that the context with the, with, of the relationship that you have with question. them is, uh, you know, a million miles away from what you have in your co-founder? That's a very good question. Um, so the, there are two additional people in our team as well that have been with us right from the beginning. And they, uh, I would say that they're actually pretty much family. Like, I call them brothers. They're like cool. my brothers. Same with Dwayne. Like, he sees them as family. Yeah. Like, we take care of them. We want to make sure that, like, every step of the way that they are part of every decision that is made. So even though, on, you know, uh, on the surface, it may look like it's just the two of us sort of running the company. At this point, I would say more of my uh, interaction is with Jason, who is like who, who was the first employee that we hired together. Right. And then Dwayne's interaction is with Oasis for the most part, like because he was the like the uh, solution architect, front end solution architect that he hi had hired. So they both make every decision together in terms of how to build something. And Jason and I make all the decisions about how to sell right. and how to partner and what to do on that side. So I, I think that the tr like trust is, I would say, because of the dynamic between Duane and I and the family sort of nature yeah. of the business, we do have this very strong belief that everybody that we hire has, like, we have to trust them. Like right. just the other day, at, actually at Shop Talk, like I'm trying to hire somebody um, at the, um, as a GTM, like a head of GTM for the company. And, you know, I'm talking to this guy, he's selling me like everything about like what, what he's done. But there was just this nagging feeling I had about him that he's slippery. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I can trust him. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I'd have this intuition about people that I can trust or not trust. Right, right from the start, and, and we all believe, like from Jason to Oasis to Dwayne, like I'll sit with all three of them and I'll be like, this is how, my fe how I'm feeling. I don't know yeah. if this is the right decision I'm about to make, right? And they would always say, trust your gut. Just trust your gut. Because I've made bad decisions before right. where I didn't trust my gut and I listened to somebody else. And there's all these people that like to give you advice, when, right. especially as a woman. You know, yeah. there's lots of mansplaining that of happens. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I've run into a lot of those types of folks. Oh, let me sit you down and <laughs> coach you right. on how you need to run your business. Oh, like, interesting. You know, nothing about my business. Right. You're going to tell me how to run my business. Thank you. Um, but this guy was kind of doing that yeah. a little bit. And, you know, so I want you to, you know, give me a demo of your product and show me how you sell this to the customer. Like, I want you to do that. And I'm like, no, you're not going to want me to do anything. Yeah. I will do it if I want to do it. Right. But it, like the way that like that kind of this, this macho sort of style of, you know, uh, talking to me. And, and I, I don't think he would have done that if it was right. a man right. on the other side. 
it's because I'm a woman. Yeah. That's, and I've had that happen like so many times now. So, so. I am curious then on that note, right? Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, I think it's super common for people progressing maybe through more traditional career ladders to have mentors and champions along the way. But once you make the jump into starting and building your own thing, it's a much more intentional and active pursuit to find a mentor that could actually maybe give value into what you're trying to build. And given the fact that you had some of these, you know, objectively terrible experiences, right. what has your approach been to, to finding mentors maybe or folks uh, building a network or support system to help you shape your ideas or your solutions? Or maybe you haven't. I'm, but I'm just curious what your approach in this so space has been. I have a few different mentors, I would say. One, one or I, I think it's trusted advisors, yeah. I would say more. So, and I've been actually very lucky to have my very best friend as my uh. advisor as well, more at a personal level, yeah. because I feel like where I need the help is to balance the like home life with work life. And so my best friend from when I was 14, um, she's been around like every step of the way, yeah. anytime I run into even a, sometimes a business decision which is becoming emotional right. in nature because I've hired friends in the past and have had to let them go and you know all okay. those types of decisions. You, sometimes you, like as a startup, you kind of have to trust the people that you know, your right. network. Right. So you end up hiring sometimes within friends, right? And I, I would actually say that's not, I've decided now never to do that again. Okay. Right? Because um, it just, it creates this dynamic that is just not good. Um, because you, you have these expectations. Right, exactly. From friends that you have to meet. But anyway, going back to that, so she is the person that I would go to for, like, just talking things out. Okay. A lot of times what you really need on the other side is just a sounding board, you know, somebody who just listens yeah. and, you know, gives you advice, but it's mostly hearing yourself say something in a very open environment where you know that you're not going to be judged for saying what you're about yeah. to say. Sometimes even you judge yourself. Right, exactly. If you're thinking completely on your own without somebody in front of you, you'd be like, why am I doing this? I'm still so stupid, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But you won't say that to a friend. Of course. You know, <laughs> so you, you filter it out a little bit, I guess. But um, but yeah, she she would always just listen and say, okay, so you just said this. I'm hearing you say X, Y, and Z. Is this what it means? That, yeah. You know, or, and there's or no ulterior motive. She's there genuinely Ge to support Genuinely, you. exactly. Yeah. And she's actually the one person who, you know, even in my very first um, uh, public speaking engagement, which was Tech TO, and I think Brian oh, cool. was, Brian Cleary was there at that as well. Um, she was actually sitting in the audience, like, and I was sitting beside her the entire time holding her hand oh, wow. until I went up on stage. It was like 600 people or something like that in, in the audience. And she's just been that person, yeah. that trustworthy person, you know, and that, some, that support all the way from beginning to end. And if, even if I make a bad decision, she's not going to judge me. She'll right. be like, okay, well, we can fix How it. How do we learn from it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, everything, I, you know, as you articulate some of this and just even your response to overcoming your experiences, you know, as you said, with folks who are mansplaining or kind of speaking to you in a way that right. only because of the fact that you're a woman in their space, right? But then combined with some of the other adversities you've overcome, uh, when I see passion-driven, vision-driven, 
rebel, like all of that comes together to be like a, a pretty formidable human, right? <laughs> and so now you're forging ahead with yeah. Kinsia and you're, you know, really uh, taking over a spot that is not being done well. This idea of journey orchestration or experience orchestration in headless environments. Talk a little bit about, you know, that exciting moment in kind of the story arc of Kinsia and then kind of the direction that you guys are going to from here. Yeah, so I, I would say in the last year or so, um, the world suddenly woke up to this idea of what composability means and right. what's headless and, you know, orchestration and all of those things. Like we've always, Dwayne and I always had these ideas, but we didn't have the right terminology okay. to explain all of this that people would understand. They would say, okay, what are you talking about? Right. Right, because there wasn't a movement yet around it. And so last year, uh, I would say about March of last year, is where I finally you know, went all out. I made a decision. You know, we've now built a beautiful product. That's great. Yeah. But now I'm going to go to market right. with this. Right. So I started to evangelize. You'll see me posting articles and pretty controversial statements that I get a lot of heat for yeah. um, on LinkedIn from a lot of different people, uh, like our competitors right. or, you know, the monoliths, yeah. you know, et cetera. Um, but what I found is that, you know, just like being bold again, yeah. once again, be, like that's been my life story. Your nature, right? yeah. Nature. Um, I don't step down to anybody <laughs> anymore. I just come out and say it like it is, the way I feel. If you don't like it, too bad yeah. for you. But I also... Just, I think it's like a perfect combination of that with the world also waking up at the same time to these new modern ideas. Um, and what we're finding is that there are lots of early adopters oh, of these ideas because it, it, it is a brand new space, composable. Mm -hmm. Even though, yes, there ha uh, organizations have had multiple systems that need, needed to be integrated in the past as well. That's been there from the beginning of time, even from 2006 you know, uh, when I started at yeah. Sapia. There was always that problem. But now there's an expectation from companies to build software in such a way that it has to play nice right. with other software. Right. right. And then I kind of found a home in the Mock Alliance, and I you know, after seeing all of the activity around, like the evangelism I was doing around composability, mm -hmm. they brought me in as a mock ambassador. So that also helped in a massive way, I would say, even for Kinsia, because everybody who saw me, you know, become part of the, the mock alliance right. and an ambassador, um, they're like, okay, who is she with, right? Yeah. So, oh, she's the CEO of Kinsia. And then like now I'm getting interest, like in a lot of inbound interest. We don't have to do any outreach, Yeah, I would say at this point. It's all inbound, where SIs, agencies, um, you know, potential customers, they would reach out and say, I love what you're writing about. Yeah. I totally believe in what you're saying. There will be people who are haters, too. There are those, too. So we there's always that. that. But it's okay, you know. I don't want to be average. Average yeah. doesn't fit any anybody. Yeah. It has you have to stand for something. Yeah. And there's going to be some people that will, you know, stand with you and and uh, be okay with it, and some that are not, right? And so there, now I'm hearing a lot of like, I want to know more about 
your company. I want to know how you're different from others. So they're giving me a, like a platform, essentially, to speak about uh, the product. And, and that's how the sales are coming in. They're all coming towards us now instead yeah. of us uh, reaching out. It, it's, it's actually beautiful. It's like all these years, you know, we've been chasing. Right. Right? And suddenly we don't have to chase anymore because, you know, that's what the product market fit yeah. means, right? It's when people just go, aha, and your messaging is clear and concise and you're able to explain it in, you know, 10 or 15 words, you know, I feel like we're there. That's, that's what's happening and we're starting to grow and um, lots of excitement building uh, in this space. And I believe the future, to answer your question, yeah. um, is going to be where uh, most organizations who want to succeed uh, are going to want to build a best of breed tech stack. Right. I'm not saying that Salesforce will go away or right, Adobe right, right, will right. go away or no, nothing like that. But they're going to want a choice. Right? They're going to yeah, want... Exactly. And we're dealing with millennial decision makers here as well, that rebels yeah. like me. You know, so... I love that. Um, so they're going to want... They, they don't want you to tell them how they're going to build their experiences. Right. They want to tell you how they're going to build it and you have to support them. Right. Right, and so there's going to be more of a trend towards that, um, you know, composability, best of breed, and in order to make composability works, you need a way to connect all the dots between all the different best of breed right. vendors, and it's it's just a natural progression. Yeah. So it's easily understood by pretty much anyone that understands. You know, if you're building a system or an experience with multiple multiple platforms, those platforms have to be connected Absolutely. to each other. And that's exactly what we're doing. So the, the, it's just getting clearer for us and easier for us to get out there and um, talk about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredibly exciting, kind of the, the direction that you're progressing in. But what has me fired up is just kind of the way that you talk about being bold, about being defiant, right, and being <coughs> rebel. And it's even embodied in the way you've positioned your organization against the monoliths, <laughs> the sweet players, right. And now, for all that coming to fruition, it very much seems that you found comfort in understanding that this is like a superpower of yours, right, it's as opposed to it being just nature. Right. When did you make that realization? Because I think maybe people have characteristics or personality traits that do set them apart, do mm -hmm. allow them to get ahead, but they don't realize that, that it, it's that is the source of that advancement yet, right? When did you realize, I, when did you start wielding it as opposed to just you know, being that way? I feel like when, in order to really realize that something is a good thing, yeah. you have to see something good coming out of it. <laughs> okay, fair. So, and I saw something good coming out of it, I would say, in the last couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, because now I'm actually seeing, seeing things resonate. Right. And, and some, because I am at the end of the day very goal-oriented as well, like my mom was. Yeah. I need to see results. Right. If, and it really angers me if I don't see those results. And I doubt myself when things are not coming together. But now I see it's actually coming together. So now I feel is in the last you know few a couple of years is where I would say I realized that um, this is even though the way I am maybe because of some negative reasons in the past 
Yeah. Right? And things that I didn't see as a great thing. But that's, I can actually use this to an advantage, right. to differentiate right. ourselves. And it's working. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. It's working. I mean, I, I absolutely love that. I love that sentiment, that mentality. Uh, I'm inspired by it. I've also loved every second of this interview. So, Sana, thank I want to say thank you for your openness to coming on. Thank you for being willing to be the first in person recording this podcast because I think there's, you know, inherent risk not knowing how this yeah. works. But I, I think I'm a it's risk come taker, out right? clearly. <laughs> and so, thank you for coming on. This has been spectacular. I can't wait for folks to hear this one. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much.